I've been thinking a lot about voicemails lately. And I'm not talking about the spam calls or the let's plan something, call me back voicemails. I'm talking about that one gem from someone significant in your life that you keep on your phone to listen back to when you want to hear their voice. Or maybe just to remind you of a moment in time. Here's a voicemail that Margot, a third-year student at UBC, keeps on her phone. It's her dad calling out of the blue on a Thursday at 5.16 p.m. So I'm driving through like a neighborhood in Lake Oswego, just a neighborhood in Lake Oswego, like kind of by Danette's house. No big deal, just a regular old Lake Oswego neighborhood. When out of nowhere, all of a sudden, 10 roosters leap into the road. And I had to slam on my brake not to hit them. Then they crossed the road, and I don't know why. When I got the voicemail, I knew immediately it was going to be about birds. This is Margot. The neighborhood that he was driving through is one where there's a lot of wild peacocks that live there, and so I just assumed it was going to be about the peacocks. And then as soon as he said roosters, I was like, all right, there's a punchline. And um, I immediately had to play it for my roommates, and we were just cracking up, and I listened to it a million times because it's just so him, and I found it hysterical. My dad doesn't really call me that often. We talk every day, but we mostly text. If we do talk, it's like a family FaceTime call with my mom and my dad or maybe my sister. So for him to call me like that, it's usually like there's a reason behind it. Um, He's calling to talk about something. But the thing I love about that voicemail is that I know that if I had answered, he would have told the story the exact same way. (laughs) Like it would have been the exact same script um, because I can just tell that he planned in his head first the way he was going to set up (laughs) the joke. Every time I listen to it, I laugh. Um, And he and I have like the privilege of being close enough uh, geographically and also in our relationship that if I miss him, I can just talk to him. So I don't really find myself turning it on because I miss him. But just every time I get a voicemail from somebody else and I go to my voicemails and I see it's there, I'm like, well, I may as well listen to that one again, too. It's almost like a love language. Like, it's it's a very perfect moment of, like, this thing happened and I need to tell you about it and I'm going to do it in a way that's going to brighten your day because it obviously brightened mine, too. That's exactly what today's episode is all about. In what unique ways do voicemails allow us to show love to others? How can they immortalize moments? Or tap us on the shoulder and, in the voices of our friends and family, remind us that all of our worlds are beautifully intertwined. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Love in Public. My name is Abril, and this is a space where we explore what radical listening looks like in the age of disconnect. You're listening to CITR 101.9 FM, We are broadcasting from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Hunkamunum-speaking Musqueam people. You are in for a treat today. We are leaping with reckless abandon into the past and landing crisscross applesauce on the colorful mat of your kindergarten classroom. This season's theme is show and tell, and for the next few episodes, we are going to be chatting with creatives from every discipline and talking to them about the art they make and the art that's made them. Today I'm here with Violet Miles and we're gonna start by playing a little something that she created. 
I'm not going to say too much because I want to let it speak for itself. Hi, this message is for Anne. Hi, Anne. This is Heather over at Matt's Pharmacy. Hi, Anne. This is Rob. Hi, this message is for Anne. Hi, Anne. This is Stacy from Georgina Rest. Hi, Anne. Sorry it took so long to get back to you. Hi, um, good morning. Um, this message is for Anne. Um... I've been getting the misplaced voicemails for a woman named Anne for almost a year now. I feel guilty for receiving these voicemails. I've done all I can to try and make sure Anne gets these messages instead of me. I've tried calling people back, telling them that I'm not, in fact, Anne, that they have the wrong number, to please tell Anne that this isn't her number. When that didn't work, I added an answering machine. Hey there, you've reached Violet. If you're looking for Anne, you have the wrong number. Good luck. Bye. Surprisingly, I'm still getting messages for Anne to this day. It got me thinking about the intimacy of voicemails. I've spent a year learning about Anne only through the messages left on my phone. My name's Nabri and I'm calling from Matt's Pharmacy. Hi, I'm calling from Matt's Pharmacy. I was calling in regards to a delivery. Hello, this is the delivery driver from Matt's Pharmacy. With Jefferson Home Care, call and set up a time to come out tomorrow to check on Nicholas and admit him to home care service and also check on his wound. I checked everything. I checked underneath everything. There's nothing going on here. Oh, God, this is this is a sin. I, I wonder if it's something like a pipe in the ceiling. Oh, God, this is this is a sin. I, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Hey, this is Alexandria with Safeco Insurance. I was giving you a call about the water claim that you filed. Annie, it's it's Woody. I just uh, called to say thank you for the uh, for the note. Annie, this is uh, Woody. Uh, I left you a message before. When you get an opportunity, give me a call. It makes me wonder what someone might learn about me if they stumbled upon my messages without context. Hey, Violet. Hey, Joseph. Um, I'm on my way home right now. I was just checking on you to see if you're okay because I didn't hear from you today. Um, yeah, just like let me know how you're doing. I just want to make sure you're okay. All right. Hi, Violet. It's Grandmom. I don't know if you're back in Vancouver or not, but I just wanted to touch base with you to see how your holiday went. Nothing important. I hope you had a good holiday after I saw you on Christmas. You look beautiful. Okay, honey. Love you. Bye-bye. Sharing these voicemails made me feel really vulnerable and more emotional than I thought I would get. A couple of those voicemails are pretty old and I haven't heard the voice of some of those people in a while. Joe was a boyfriend of mine and I don't know if you could pick up from the voicemail but that was left basically at the end of our relationship. Things weren't going so good. It was really warming to hear my grandmom's voice. She's a loud Jewish woman and it's really captured in that voicemail, but it's also captured that she loves me so much. Yeah, I don't know. I think if anyone had these voicemails on their phone instead of mine, I would feel really cheated out of those memories. And it did feel really intimate to hear someone else's voice on the other side of the line. You really feel like you know that person. Yeah, I was surprised by how emotional that made me. I invited a friend to share some of her voicemails with me. 
Hey, Holly. Thank you for being here with me today. Thank you for having me, Violet. I have gone through your voicemails, and I've picked out a couple that I wanted to share with you. So do you want to just jump right into it? Yeah, sure. Okay. Hi, Holly. I just wanted to say good luck on your surgery today. I love you so much. You're going to do great. When you're back, we can turn up the ink off. I love you so much. I've never heard that before. Are you serious? <laughs> well, because I don't check my voicemails. Oh, that's Jasmine. That's so nice. You knew from the voice, or did she say your he... name? No, I know from the voice. I didn't know she said. I'm gonna so you you never got that message before? No, I did. Well, I got it. I received it, but I didn't listen to mm. it. How would you feel like that? Basically, was lost on you already. I know. How do you feel like knowing that she sent you that message and you didn't and even get it? And then I never it? knew. Yeah. Oh, like I feel like because obviously this is all about like the intimacy of having a voicemail, and I just had never thought about it. Whenever I get voicemails, I never listen to them. I only just call the people back. That was a really nice message. It made me feel really nice. Okay, I've got another one here for you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday to you. Love you, Toots. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, it's my mom. She also usually calls me boobers, so I'm glad she didn't on that. What'd she, she call you, Toots? Toots. Yeah. Probably if you listen through all the voicemails of my mom, like, she has, like, eight different names for me. Mm. She's very into, like, you have to send people messages. Like, my mom is, like, the voicemail person. Queen. <laughs> voicemail <laughs> queen. Yeah, so sweet. And you can just tell that you guys are so close to each other. It's really encapsulated within that. Yeah. I have one last one to play for you. All right. And it's quite different from the other ones. Yes, good afternoon. This message is for Holly Hashibashi. My name is Estela. You were referred to me. We're looking for some therapy sessions. If you can please give me a call so we can set up an appointment. Estela, like, changed my life. Yeah? Yeah, she's, like, one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. She's the best therapist I've ever had. That's amazing. And I think I only had six sessions with her like not that many really after speaking with her i became probably the best version of myself i would say when i was going through my voicemails i had found a voicemail from my therapist there's something like really soothing about hearing her voice yeah. for me like did you get that same reaction oh yeah she's from argentina and like i haven't heard her voice since i left in august <sighs> i wasn't expecting yeah, that to be on my voicemail yeah, yeah it was really nice to hear because also because like thinking back as well to like when i first got that voice message i was still in this like really weird place where i didn't really know like how i was as a person and i knew i needed help but like now looking at it and hearing it again and being like oh estella she was mm-hmm. amazing yeah this woman changed your life and that voicemail was really her reaching out and connecting to you like you were referred to her yeah i was or referred to her like yeah that. what if those wires got crossed somehow like what if someone else got that voicemail yeah. like how does that make you feel well, to think that someone would be getting my voicemails is, like, not the most amazing feeling. And, like, Estella, I think I wouldn't have 
even had the opportunity if I didn't get the voicemail. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to get someone else's voicemail. But I think it would be kind of fun to get. Well, that's the thing. You do learn so much about people, like yeah. a surprising amount. I'm your friend, and I feel like I even learned more about you just listening yeah. to your voicemails yeah. just now. Now, thinking about it, this was never an issue I thought of before, but it kind of sucks that we don't leave voicemails anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to get some voicemails from my friends. Yeah. You feel really nice when you hear someone's voice and you know someone's voice. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing these with me and the audience today, Hollis. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. What would I find if I looked at your voicemails? What could I learn about you? In a time where we communicate through text so much, voicemails are almost a dying art form. What do they tell us about ourselves? What do they tell us about the people we know and the people we love? How might they capture a moment in your life and preserve it? I may never find Anne to tell her the mistake she's made, but in a way, I feel like I've already found her. Like I already know her. And I know her downstairs neighbor, and her delivery man, and her sick husband. I feel like I'm a part of her life in a distant way. This has been the intimacy of voicemails. Thank you for listening. That was Violet Miles and a piece that she created titled The Intimacy of Voicemails. I invited her on the show to share some of her thoughts with us. Thanks for being here, Violet. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. There is so much that I love about that piece. And Mm. and one of the main things is the way that you frame the narrative, where it goes from the voicemails of a stranger to your friend. uh, Sorry, that's a stranger, and then to you, and then to Halle. Mm -hmm. What is it that first inspired you to to create this piece centered around voicemails? Yeah, so funnily enough, this was uh, an assignment that I turned in for my podcasting class with Jen Moss here at UBC. Um, And the assignment was just to make a 10-minute podcast about anything we'd like. And I had these voicemails from Anne sitting in my phone for quite a while And they always intrigued me. I never, I hadn't done anything with audio work or podcasting or anything. So I hadn't really thought about turning them into an art piece of any sort. But I kind of made the connection of using these audio files that I had handy and turning them into a broader piece. And I just started kind of asking myself questions about what I had learned about Anne through these voicemails and you know, what voicemails can teach us in general. And that's how the piece came to be. And I just submitted it for class and I ended up being really happy with it. (laughs) So I submitted it to CITR and um, a few different like contests and things like that. Um, And I'm I'm really happy, like listening back to it. I hadn't listened to it in a while before this interview. Um, And it's still like it holds a really special place in my heart, even though it's been a couple of years. I, I still really enjoy it. There's nothing quite like the feeling of when you produce something that you're proud of and then can also be proud of in hindsight. Mm. I feel like everything I create (laughs) two days later, two months later, I... (laughs) I know. It's hard. It's really hard to be a creative and to look at your work and not be kind of like embarrassed or grossed out by it, even if other people wouldn't be looking at it that way. Yeah. There is this quote by Martha Graham who... Um, was a ballerina in the 20th century, I want to say. 
And she talks about how as artists we have this blessed unrest and this constant dissatisfaction with our work. But it is what moves us to do what we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is a series of questions that you ask at the end of that podcast that really strike me. And it's what can we learn about ourselves, about the ones that we love based off of their voicemails. I don't know about you, but I really see voicemails and voice messages, too. I put them in the same category as a love language of sorts. Mm, I love that. I really love that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't send very many voice memos, you know, guilty (laughs) um, that I don't really do it. But I don't know why. I think it's just we live very busy, fast-paced lives, and sometimes you don't have the time in your day to listen to a message rather than just reading it. Um, But it is a shame because I think that there is a lot of intimacy and there's a lot of love that can be behind it. It's funny that you say that because I've had that conversation with my brother and he didn't love voice messages before because it's it was the fact that, oh, I might be out. I might not be able to listen to your message. Whereas if you send me a text, I can get back to you. Right. But for me, with voice messages, it's such a souvenir of a person. It's like writing a letter to them. Mm, that's a great word for it, a souvenir. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like you get so much of that person in their voice and just their intonation and their cadence. Mm-hmm. And it especially for someone who has a lot of long-distance friendships. Yeah. The thing that comes to mind for me when you say that is kind of this trope in film where, not to get dark, but someone will pass away and then their loved ones will listen to their answering machine a lot. Mm. Um, So that's kind of interesting. Um, What you were saying reminds me of that one episode of Breaking Bad. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I've never (gasps) seen Breaking Bad. Oh, I hope I don't spoil it for anybody (laughs) listening. But, um, yeah, I I know the trope that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And actually, in preparation for today's episode, it was on my mind because, and I didn't think I was going to share this anecdote because it is quite personal, Mm -hmm. but my dad passed away Mm -hmm. in December of last year. I'm sorry. And I had all these voicemails that he left me last year. Wow. And when I moved back to Canada, my data plan changed and I no longer had access to them. And I remember feeling so heartbroken about it. And I was writing up some of my questions for today. I was thinking, you know what, maybe there is a way for me to uh, just change the settings on my phone so that instead of having to call in for a voicemail, like you often have to do, you get the visual voicemail where you can see all of your messages and play them on your own time. Mm -hmm. And I... Uh, called. I was doing a couple of Google searches and I called my uh, service provider and I found out that you can just like for a couple of extra dollars a month, you can set that up for yourself. And so I set it up mm. with the intention of, okay, now when my Vancouver friends leave me a message, I'll be able to see yeah. them. And I ended up getting all of my dad's voicemails back. They were restored. Back. Yeah, oh they were all goodness. restored. And I wow. listened to them and it was the most wonderful magical thing to have them i'm so happy that you got those back yeah oh wow that's powerful yeah and i feel that way with all of the voice messages that i get from people i feel like oh i have a a part of you Mm -hmm. um so i don't know if that's how you feel or if you still receive voicemails yeah i think um i've actually gotten some people who listen to my podcast and then 
sent asked me not to pick up the phone and they sent me a voicemail to tell me their thoughts on it which is really sweet yeah um and I have a feeling that some people have left me voicemails in hopes that I'll do a part two or something and include them in it um but yeah it is it is really special it is you know you can tell a lot about a person you know hence us doing podcasts and radio and things like that it is a very intimate kind of art form or even taking it out of an artistic or creative realm um it's just it's quite intimate yeah yeah what do you think gets lost in translation when we text Mm. I think that we've all been in a situation where we read a text and we don't know if this person's angry at us or we misunderstand I've definitely been in the situation a number of times where something gets misconstrued and I think that a friend is upset with me or they're being short with me, and it's just their style of text, which is kind of interesting, um, because you can't tell intonation or uh, kind of tone through text in the way that you obviously can when you hear someone's voice. Yeah. Do you think you're going to start leaving more voicemails or voice messages <laughs> or not? Um, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll make a commitment to myself, a late New Year's resolution <laughs> um, to leave more voicemails so yeah. that people have them. I definitely have started leaving a lot more voicemails since listening oh, to your piece. Oh, nice. Yeah. We're going to be taking a short break and starting that break off with a song that you might know that I think is particularly fitting for today's episode. This is Kiss Me Through the Phone by Soulja Boy and Sammy. Soulja Boy, tell me. Baby, you know that I miss you. I want to get with you tonight, but I can't. After my conversation with Violet, I was curious to learn more about the science behind voicemails and why they feel like a shot of serotonin. Here's Dr. Amit Kumar, a social psychologist at UT Austin. Dr. Kumar, why does it feel infinitely better to get a phone call or voice note from someone instead of just a regular text message? What is it about hearing someone's voice that feels so much more intimate? Well, it turns out that we feel much more socially connected to someone uh, when we can hear their thoughts and feelings, um, hear about what they're experiencing, uh, than uh, if we only see what they're saying through text. Some of this has to do with sort of the paralinguistic cues that are conveyed through someone's uh, voice. So, for instance, uh, things like pitch variants can contribute to um, feeling like we're connecting with another human. Pitch variants is sort of intonation. Uh, Your voice can also get louder or softer, and that can convey uh, what you're thinking and feeling as well. Um, uh, You can't get some of those cues uh, when you're just reading what somebody has to say. Mm. I was on a walk this morning with a friend, and I was thinking about this conversation with you, and I asked her to rank different modes of communication and her own preferences for them, and they were video call, something like a FaceTime call, phone call, text messages, and and receiving voicemails or 
voice notes. How do you feel like you would rank those? And what has your research shown you in terms of how the general public ranks those? Uh, well, there's a lot to unpack there. Obviously, modern technology gives us lots of different options, lots of media through which we can connect. Um, what we find is that they don't all strengthen social connection equally. Um, and we were also interested in some of the studies that we were done and sort of testing whether people's um, expectations enable them to choose these media wisely. So uh, in terms of people's preferences, what they often decide to do is that in line with what might um, maximize their sense of connection. Um, so it turns out that uh, uh, text-based media seem to be uh, not quite as good for uh, maximizing the sense of social connection to another person compared to media that contains the human voice. And that can be audio only, uh, like a phone call. Uh, it could also be audiovisual media, like a video chat. It turns out that those two things um, uh, aren't uh, uh, very different from each other in terms of the sense of connection that you feel. So the visual cues aren't adding much beyond uh, what the voice is doing, um, but it's not like a video chat is worse than a phone call or something like that because you can still hear uh, what someone is saying. Um, the interesting, the other interesting aspect of this that you asked about, though, I think has to do with people's decisions. Decisions about how to connect are sort of based on expectations of uh, costs and benefits. And, mm. and one of the things one of the things that we find is that people seem to have these sort of miscalibrated expectations or mistaken beliefs where they uh, often tend to think that um, it's going to be a lot more awkward or uncomfortable to uh, call somebody uh, when, in fact, connecting over voice-based voice, voice -based media isn't more awkward than uh, sending a text message or an email. Right. And don't you love getting a phone call out of the blue from someone you love? Yeah, in one of our studies, we actually we even had people sort of reconnecting with people that they had lost touch with, uh, either over the phone or over email, uh, and they felt uh, you can imagine that people are doing this um, perhaps a bit more often as uh, the pandemic sort of wanes. Uh, and and what we found was that people felt um, much more connected to uh, sort of their old friend um, when they talked to them on the phone than when they exchanged emails. Uh, and yet the majority of our participants sort of said they'd rather send an email than uh, call their old friend up on the phone because they were worried that it would be um, awkward to, uh, uh, to pick up the phone and call them. Mm -hmm. When we actually assigned them to do that, though, we had people really do this. Uh, it turned out that there weren't any differences in, in how awkward these uh, two modes of communication were. Mm. So that seems to be the biggest barrier, a feeling of awkwardness. Uh, that's what we find in our studies. Uh, it's also the case that people, so I said, I, I mentioned that there's expectations of costs and benefits. The other thing that could happen is that people sometimes might think um, it doesn't really make a difference. It, it would be um, the same uh, if I sent a text message or if I called someone up on the phone. Um, and if, if you think that, if you sort of don't pay attention to the fact that there might be differences between these um, communication media, you might go with sort of whatever you think is going to be kind of the easiest or the quickest um, when actually there are um, significant benefits to uh, talking to someone rather than just uh, typing with them. Hmm. Something I find so interesting about that, I know in a lot of my psych classes, we talk a little bit about love languages, and I feel that there is something similar with these different modes of communication. And by that, I mean there's a discrepancy in the preference of the 
sender and the recipient. I was having a conversation with a friend, and I love calling all of my friends out of the blue. It just feels easier to me because I don't have to think about the punctuation that I'm using with my text messages or something complicated and convoluted that I want to say. It feels like more of a labor to put that into a text message. However, I was talking to her about it because she'll never pick up my calls. <laughs> and she told me, oh, Abril, I just get a lot of social anxiety. I don't answer anyone's calls unless I know we have a scheduled call coming up. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that anxiety really exists sort of before you pick up the phone. Once you pick up the phone and you start talking to somebody, it's, it's often a lot of fun. It's really comfortable. And so people's uh, anxiety, I think, has to do more with their expectations mm. than their actual experiences of, uh, of interacting with other people. In our studies, we didn't measure preferences from uh, uh, on, the, on the recipient's end, so we don't actually know that uh, part for sure. But what we did look at is sort of what people's preferences were um, before they engaged in one of these interactions, and they did seem to have a preference for sort of... Um, uh, sending an email, communicating over text. Uh, but then when we measured how those very same people actually felt, they felt much more connected uh, when they had talked on the phone than when they had um, sent an email, for example. Mm. We're talking a lot about phone calls, and I'd love to hear about, and I imagine that a lot of this is generalizable to other voice-based communication, like voicemails or voice notes that you can send and receive on platforms like WhatsApp or Snapchat or iMessage? Uh, well, that's an interesting question, and it's one that we actually have not answered in our research. So it's kind of an open question for uh, for scientists to, to sort of do some more work on. The, the question really boils down to what um, researchers would call sort of synchronous versus asynchronous uh, communication, where you're having sort of like a live exchange with someone um, versus you're kind of exchanging messages back and forth that, that either contain voice or not. Um, we did think about this issue, of course. So we one of our experiments kind of controlled for the synchronous nature of communication. Um, it, it turns out that that might actually be somewhat important for feeling connected to others because of things like um, uh, it, it matters to people that they feel like others are responsive to them in, inter in an interaction. Um, so the way that we did that, though, was by making all of the communications synchronous. Um, so text messages and emails uh, are asynchronous, of course. What we did in one study is we had participants engage in sort of a live text chat. So that was a synchronous sort of real-time interaction that's more synchronous than sending emails and, and text back and forth, of course. Uh, and even when all the interactions were synchronous, um, participants felt more connected when uh, talking than when typing. Uh, it certainly could be the case, as, as you were suggesting, that, that sort of um, voice-based media um, uh, leads to, uh, at least it helps you perhaps understand what someone is trying to communicate, uh, even if it's uh, asynchronous. So, for instance, if someone's being sarcastic or something like that, it's harder to figure those things out uh, when you're reading a text than when you can actually uh, hear the, the, uh, the tone in their voice. Mm, and now as you're talking, this is the psych major in me, I'm curious about generational differences. Did you find that at all with the participants and the different, uh, their different ages? Yeah, it's a good question. So we, we, uh, we don't find age effects in, in our research. So the, the results that I've been describing, those are all sort of on average effects. But it's important to note that we, we don't have, um, 
you know, nobody under 18 participated in our study because they had to consent to participate in research. And we don't have 90 year olds participating in our experiments <laughs> either. So uh, it's a pretty restricted ra uh, range of um, it, we're many of our participants were college students. Um, so people in their 20s uh, predominantly. And um, we did run some online experiments as well. But even there, the average uh, uh, age was um, typically that's in their uh, people in their 30s or 40s. So it, at least within these age groups, it didn't seem like um, age mattered a lot. But that doesn't speak to differences between generations, of course. Mm. So bottom line, you're telling me if I'm ever in between sending someone a text message or picking up the phone and calling them, regardless of my expectations, the better option is always to pick up the phone. Uh, most of the time, I'm hesitant. <laughs> most most scientists are hesitant to use words like always. Uh, the one one point that I think is important to make is I mentioned that people have these um, mistaken beliefs or miscalibrated expectations. Well, one of the problems is when you're relying on your expectations alone, um, that can be sort of a barrier to learning how you might feel if you made a different choice. You might not expose yourself to situations and, ex and experiences in which you'd get sort of accurate feedback. So if you have, uh, you know, your friend's um, anxiety about talking on the phone, that might lead um, that person to not talk to someone on the phone. Uh, and then they wouldn't have the opportunity to learn how connected they might have felt if they did this rather than sort of using text-based media. So if you expect it's going to be awkward, um, then you might choose not to do so. You'd never learn that your expectations might have been wrong. So rather than saying always, I think I'd suggest that people at least give it a try uh, and you might find out that uh, you might be pleasantly surprised. Mm, I like that. You might be pleasantly surprised. Thanks so much for having this conversation with me, Dr. Kumar. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. We're back and you're listening to Love in Public on CITR 101.9. Before the break, we spoke with Violet Miles about a mini podcast that she created titled The Intimacy of Voicemails. Violet, you are majoring in film studies here at UBC mm -hmm. and minoring in creative writing. Yeah. But you're also passionate about audio storytelling and you run your own podcast. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> It's called Therapy Hour. Mm -hmm. I'm a loyal subscriber. Aww. For anyone who's listening, this is a new podcast that you absolutely have to tune into. What is it that first got you into radio? Um, funnily enough, uh, creating that Intimacy of Voicemails podcast for that class, part of the requirements for that class was becoming a member of CITR. Um, it was something that I'd always seen from a distance, felt a little bit intimidated by, um, wanted to join, didn't know how, um, but that class was the push that I needed. Uh, once I finished that podcast, I submitted it to CITR. I started to get to know um, some of the people here and uh, learned a lot more about radio. I think that radio can sometimes feel a little old or a little dated, um, but being involved with CITR has made me realize that radio is still alive and podcasts, I think, have really helped uh, radio make a comeback in and of mm. itself as well. Um, and I, I don't know, I've always been a writer and loved writing and that's taken different forms for me. 
Um, and I've really found a little niche in radio where I can write in a way that is exciting and fun and new and different for me still, even though it's been a few years since I've started kind of putting my foot in the door with radio. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's, I don't know if I want to say it's my calling. I think you can <laughs> say it's your calling. I mean, based off of that podcast, I would say it's your oh, calling. Um, yeah, but it's, I, I certainly love it. I certainly really enjoy it. And I think I've also been privy to see the way that it can attract a community that's really caring and compassionate mm-hmm. and creative um and that's an aspect of it that I've really loved as well yeah I wanted to ask with this piece did you have anyone in your life or anyone who maybe you didn't even know reach out to you and were you surprised with the reception of it yeah definitely I um I don't share a ton of my art to kind of like my social media or anything like that I don't know why I think when I see other people sharing their art I love that and I love engaging with it I have one friend in particular from high school who shares a lot of her poetry and it's just my favorite thing to read her latest poems. So I should do more of it. Um, But I got a really warm reception to this podcast when I shared it. Um, One uh, response in particular that stands out to me was my friend Claire from high school who told me that she had listened to it. And then she went back and listened to her own voicemails, which a lot of people had told me that's what they did. Um, And she said that she had found a few old ones from me in high school, just like goofing and like she wouldn't answer her phone. So me and a couple of my friends would like tease her and like play and like leave little silly voicemails for her. And she recorded some of them and sent them to me. And I thought that that was really special and unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. We have gotten the chance to highlight some of your creative work on the show, and now we've made it to our show and tell segment. Mm. This is the part where we invite guests to bring an item. It can be a physical object, a song lyric, a fact, a person, anything really that inspires them creatively and the art that they make. Yeah. I wonder what you brought for us today. Yeah, I had a bit of a tricky time, honestly, finding an object or a thing um, to bring in. There's so much art that inspires me that it was in a way hard to narrow it down. Um, But also it it was kind of one of those things where once you asked it, my mind like drew a blank for some reason. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, But I did end up settling on something. Um, I brought in a poem by William Carlos Williams, which is, uh, it was one of the first poems that I read and really spoke to me. And I was thinking about it recently, and um, I write a bit of poetry myself as well, but... You say I write a bit of poetry. We did oh. some research. We oh. did some digging. You won competition. Oh. <laughs> Violet. I'm not going to let you oh, downplay. No. <laughs> I do, especially in high school, I was very into writing poetry. Um, and oh, I'm blushing under my mask. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think I do have this poem to thank, not only for inspiring my own poetry to some extent, But I was reflecting on it, and I think it set a bit of a tone for the writing and work that I do in general. Um, I can read the poem and maybe explain a bit more. Please do. So it's by William Carlos Williams, and it's a very short poem. And the title is, This is Just to Say. 
I have eaten the plums that were in the icebox, and which you were probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me, they were delicious, so sweet, and so cold. That's the whole poem. It's very short and sweet. How, or, do you know it? Are you familiar no, with it? No, I've never heard it before. What is it about it that moved you? So, honestly, the simplicity of it is really captivating to me. I think prior to reading this poem, I'd only really been exposed to more classic poetry that's full of rhyme and meter um, and really uh, a bit more complex. And I didn't know that a poem could be so simple. I, I envision it almost like a note pinned to the fridge for someone to find in the morning and mm. something about that is really special and intimate uh, for me and there aren't big words nothing crazy is going on and I think again in my poetry and in my work in general I really aim to have that simplicity in my work because I think it makes it relatable I think it makes it comprehensive I think that when we create art, sometimes we try and over-intellectualize I was just everything. about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I'm guilty of it, too. Mm. And that's why I always want to reel myself back in and realize that just because something's simple doesn't mean it can't be significant or beautiful or meaningful. And that poem really encapsulates that for me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I think that's something you do so well. And it's very clear to me with the intimacy of voicemails is you find the magic and and the sacred in the mundane. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that, that's very meaningful. Thank you. Yeah. Violet, thank you so much for coming on the show today and for being our very first guest of season two. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. For all of our listeners, maybe after today you'll want to send a voicemail or two. I don't know. Just an idea. <laughs> to keep up to date with all things love in public, give us a cheeky follow on Instagram at loveinpublicpod and feel free to check out all of our previous episodes on Spotify. So happy to have you here. We'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao. This episode was produced by Moses Caliboso. Special thanks to our creative writer, Tessa Mock. All of the music that you heard on today's show was produced by Moses Caliboso and Ben Robinson.
Slice of Life Art and Gift Shop is Vancouver's choicest destination for one-of-a-kind artist-made prints, posters, screen prints, riso prints, paintings, acrylic paintings, watercolour paintings, ceramic mugs, ceramic plates, ceramic bowls, ceramic pots, lapel pins, hats, toques, crochet bathing suits, jewellery, trinkets, knickknacks, hand-painted signs, curated thrift, and a bunch more stuff that won't fit in this designated block of airtime. Slice of Life Art and Gift Shop, located at 1636 Venables, just off commercial. Open 11 to 6, six days a week. Are you weary of listening to Uncle's tired old war stories? Had enough of Zuzu's quest for father's favor? Do you want to hear tales worthy of the Fire Nation princess herself? Then tune in to Scald's Hall on CITR 101.9 FM and listen to the very best established and upcoming storytellers in the land. Do it, peasant, for your princess commands you. Join us Fridays at 9 p.m. for the very best in spoken word entertainment. Ty Lee, you're not thinking of changing the dial, are you? That's better. (laughs) 